0: Please be seated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, this opportunity to come together, this time that we get to spend in your word. And we pray that as you speak to us in the power of your word this morning, as we now celebrate Advent and look forward to Christmas, that it is your word, the word made flesh, who dwelt among us that would be at the center of our celebrations, of our life together, of all that we say and do. Lord, we ask for hearts that are open to your word and lives that are willing to be changed by it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So you might have noticed we didn't have a sermon uh, message song. We will get to that in a moment uh, because this is a message kind of in two parts. And the first part of this message is I wanted us to celebrate together all that God has blessed us with and done over the past few months since we kicked off ministry basically in September. Because there are some great things that God has been doing. And we love to celebrate, right? We love Thanksgiving celebrations, Christmas celebrations, birthday celebrations. And something that the church doesn't always do is we don't always celebrate all that God has blessed us with. And the other thing is we don't always see all that God blesses us with because sometimes we're not involved with all of it. So we just don't get to see how God is working all of these things out. And so as we talk about these, uh, just one understanding is that, that the way we understand how God is doing ministry among us is that we are one church with six different ministry areas. Grace Lutheran Church, where we have six different areas of ministry we focus on. Testing. There we go. And I put in a brand new battery, so I don't know. All right. So, so, anyways, back to what I was saying. Uh, we are looking at ourselves as one church with six ministry areas: worship ministry, student ministry, adult and family ministry, school ministry, care ministry, and missions ministry. And I want to share with you a celebration of how God's been working in each of these areas of ministry. In our worship ministry we've been really blessed, uh, our praise team, uh, we have an amazing praise team here at Grace. And our praise team doesn't just sing here on Sunday mornings, but our praise team actually goes on the road. And what I mean by that is this past, like for instance, this past Friday, I had the opportunity to do chapel at Milwaukee Lutheran High School, and our praise team went and they sang. And I have never seen, uh, whenever I've done chapel, students get out into the aisle and start dancing. I've never seen you get out in the aisle and start dancing, but they did it, Milwaukee Lutheran, when our praise team was singing, and they did an amazing job. They have sang for a youth gathering. When we had a youth gathering in the Milwaukee area, they came and they sang during the parade, when we've gone on the parades, and what a blessing that our praise team is. We've seen so many volunteers step up, ushers and communion assistants, elder assistants and elders, praise team. And the AV and so many other areas of ministry here at Grace where people are stepping up to serve. Planning Center, which is now allowing us to follow up with guests, allowing us to pray for prayer requests. So for instance, uh, if you put a prayer request down, we have a prayer chain that gets emailed out if you put it for our prayer team. And that prayer request is being prayed for every single day. Either by myself as, as I put those prayers on my desk or by others. What a huge blessing that is. And then your requests, those things that come in, we're able to respond to those as well. And for worship, our attendance is up from last year, September through December, through for to this year, is up an average of 40 a weekend. As God continues to grow and bless what he is doing here. Our adult and family ministry We have a lot going on there. We have women's small groups and men's small groups, a men's Monday night Bible study, a a Thursday night men's Bible study. Uh, We had a women's retreat and we had an Ark Encounter trip and just so much going on. Brad Ellis Bible studies. About 357 individuals in Bible studies this year. What an amazing blessing. Then we have our care ministries. So whether that's surviving the holidays and grief share, which is an awesome ministry coming up. So if you know somebody who who suffers with anxiety or depression or loneliness during this season, this is a wonderful, wonderful ministry opportunity for them celebrate recovery, where we are reaching people in their time of need and wherever they are at to share the gospel with them. Stephen Ministry, our knitting and quilting ministry, some of you have received prayers and squares, those quilts, to be a blessing to you. Our prayer ministry, as I talked about before, grief share, and we had a... speaker in here who talked about trafficking and how we can bless those who are the most vulnerable in their time of need since Milwaukee is a a huge area for trafficking of girls and women. And our shut-ins, who we have a team of of three men who visit our shut-ins every single month to make sure that they are brought communion and that they hear God's word. Then we have our missions ministry. We have a group, faithful group of men and women who come together, Acts of Grace, to plan events and opportunities for you to serve, whether that's Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes or Souls for Jesus or Feed My Starving Children or Street Life Food Pantries. and we, we talked about Honduras a few weeks ago, and the blessing that is and we continue to see and have opportunities to go out and be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Our school ministry. I don't know if you know this, you probably might not know this, but... But we have had district executives, not just from our South Wisconsin district, but from North Wisconsin, and also from, from throughout the country who have come and have toured Grace. And one of the comments that we received was this, is, is as they look at where our school ministry is going and the trajectory of our school ministry, uh, their comment was, what you're doing at Grace is going to become the blueprint for all other Lutheran schools. What an awesome comment that was. As we continue to see how God is growing and providing for and strengthening the ministry of our school through our new math curriculum and ELA, English and language arts curriculum and technology, 240 students who are being affected day after day by this. In the top left corner, you can see that uh, that was where our library used to be. It's being turned into a science lab with science tables. And we're going to do have bunsen burners in there. And we'll be able to do experiments and dissections and, and a new science curriculum to continue to grow that. And we have such faithful teachers and principal and aides who are giving of their time and their energy, are dedicated to making this the best ministry it can possibly be. And I also want to show you this. Uh, This is something that's brand new as well. It's called our Makerspace. This video I'm going to show you is actually designed and put together by some of our students. This was was their design and dream for what this Makerspace, a place that would house our technology for collaboration and creativity and critical thinking and communication so that we can see how the ministry of our school will grow in those areas with Ozobots and Snap Circuits and Lego Robotics and so much more. What an amazing ministry opportunity that is. And God continues to bless us through that and our student ministry. Jam and Thrive. Jam and Thrive this year is up on an average of 20 students on a Sunday morning. And we have so many faithful men and women who serve in there, two times the volunteer base. We also have a Club 35. Club 35 is our, a ministry for our 3rd through 5th graders that meets on Sundays from 3 to 5. You get why we got the name Club 35, right? 3rd through 5th grade, 3 to 5 o'clock, right? So, so they meet every couple of weeks and, and spend time in God's Word and in fellowship. And we have about 27 students in this brand-new ministry just started up this year, along with the small group leaders and five high school leaders. So our high school leaders, our high schoolers are stepping up. And then I guess I should have talked about we have a happy birthday Jesus. Over 100 children already signed up for that vacation Bible school, almost 240 children. We also have our junior high and high school youth ministry. Junior high, which is averaging about 70, up 10 from last year. And we have our high school ministry, which is averaging 10 more than it did last year as well. 27 high school students who came to a youth lock-in. 56 youth who are signed up for our summer retreat, whether it's to the National Youth Gathering or to Generate. Ten more than last year, and there are more that are talking about or asking questions, hoping to come and be a part of it. God has truly blessed us in so many ways here at Grace. And I wanted you to know that because you may not know about all those things. Because unless you're involved with that, you probably don't see that, but but God is really moving among us. And so we want to sing our, our message song right now in celebration for and in response to all that God has done. And so you may not know the words to this song. If you do sing along, if you don't, um, we're not actually going to put the words on the screen because we want to, you to see how many lives are being changed by what's going on at grace we're actually going to show you with numbers the number of lives being changed through different ministries at grace but if you know the words go ahead and sing along as it's up on the screen and we're going to sing the song let me count the ways All of that is by God's grace. Not us, but what God has done. And I think we need to celebrate that. So can we give thanks to God this day for the great blessings that he has done here at Grace? (laughs) We do not celebrate enough. And we have an amazingly rich history here at Grace. And we have dedicated staff, a dedicated team who is sold out to do ministry for the sake of the building of the kingdom of God. What a great blessing that truly is, but it's all to God's glory and it's all by him and it's all according to what he has done, not by any one of us. But I need to tell us, we're not done yet. God has more for us to do. The history wall does not end where it ends and then that's the end of it. But God has more for us to do. In the midst of the celebrations, what I want to share with you this morning also, though, is is one of the areas of struggle that we have here at Grace. And you probably have noticed it. When you open your bulletin up and look on the inside of your bulletin, there is one area of ministry. And so so we're going to have a conversation this morning that is sometimes a tougher conversation. And yet it's one the family always has to have. And so if you're a guest here this morning, uh, we're so blessed that you are here with us this morning. But understand that uh, as, as sometimes the family has to have a family conversation. And so this is the family of God having a conversation. So we're really glad you're a part of this conversation with us as, as we just together talk as the family of God. And so we're going to talk this morning about generosity. And in response to generosity, we're going to talk about how generosity, ministry, and the heart of God's people wrap itself together. Because here's the thing, when we talk generosity, everybody's mind immediately goes to one topic. Money, right? It immediately goes to money. But but here's the deal. Generosity, money, offerings, it's not about just the money. It is about your heart and the ministry that God is doing. That's what it's about. Generosity is just ministry and the heart of God's people coming together according to what God is doing. So I wanna share with you a text this morning that is all about how generosity, the heart of God's people and ministry comes together. And in this text, we're gonna hear a time when God actually told his people, stop giving. You have given too much, stop giving. Did you know that that was actually in the Bible? There was a time when God told his people to stop giving because they had given too much. We're gonna look at that text. So if you'd open up your Bibles this morning to Exodus, Exodus chapter 35, you can find that in the pews in front of you or if you brought your own device from home. Exodus chapter 35, find page 75. Let me set the context for this. The context for Exodus 35 is the people of Israel are wandering in the wilderness. They have been set free from slavery in Egypt. As they are wandering the wilderness, set free from slavery, they are beginning to learn how God provides for them. So, so they said, we don't have any food. How are we going to eat? And God says, here's some manna and, and quail. And we don't have anything to drink. What are we going to drink? How are we going to survive without anything to drink? And God says, here's some water from a rock. And so God continues to provide for them. And they learn how God is going to provide for them. And in the midst of this, you come to find out, and we're not looking at that text, that the people of God were called to continually bring an offering to God. The standard of generosity, because we hear that word, we're like, what's the definition of generosity? So we're going to talk about the definition in a second. But the standard of generosity in the Old Testament, and we see this also in the New Testament, is is the tithe. The 10%, whatever your income is, 10% of your, uh, your income is the standard of generosity, the tithe that we read about in the scripture. And then the New Testament says, says, says it's about generosity, so it doesn't use the word tithe, but it bases it off that 10% of saying, saying that and over and above, and above and beyond gift of generosity, of offering to the Lord. So in the midst of this, uh, we hear Moses speak to the people of God in verse 4, and it says this, Moses said to all of the congregation of the people of Israel this is the thing that you are to do that the Lord has commanded you to do take from among you a contribution to the Lord whoever is of a generous heart let him bring that contribution to the Lord gold and silver and bronze purple and blue and scarlet yarns and fine uh, linen and, and, and it goes on and on it talks about all of these precious items that they are called to bring to the Lord." Now, as you read that text, the question I have for you is this is, is who commands the people to bring these gifts? Who commands them? Is it Moses? No, it's the Lord, right? It says, do this thing that the Lord has commanded you to do, right? And then he says, what is this contribution for? It says, this is your contribution to who? To the Lord. So the Lord commands it and the Lord is the one that we give to, which is a reminder that when we are called to be generous, it's not the pastor that's calling you to do it. It's not the leaders that are calling you to do it. It's the Lord that calls us to be generous. And the contributions that we give out of the generosity of what God has given to us, our generosity is something that we give not to a church. You don't give to grace. What you do is you give through grace so that ministry can take place that changes lives. Just as it happened here in this text, we're going to see that. But it is an act of generosity for the sake of the building of ministry. In fact, notice what it says then is, is how are the hearts of God's people to be described? What kind of hearts are they supposed to have? What's the word it uses? Generous, right? It says, have a generous heart. Whoever is of a generous heart. We're going to talk about that in a second. But, but sometimes what we struggle with is what is the definition of generosity? There is a, a leadership a speaker and author named Simon Sinek. I love Simon Sinek. Uh, and he wrote tons and tons of books. and uh, Find Your Why, Start With Why, uh, The Never Ending Game. That's not what it's called. But, it, but it, it's, it, there's a great book he has coming out on, on how do you play an endless game and, and things like that. Just outstanding author. Not a Christian author, though. But I think he gets biblical generosity sometimes more than we do. In fact, this is his definition of generosity. Simon Sitting said generosity is giving without expecting anything in return. It's freely giving without expecting anything in return. That's what God calls us to do in generosity. And if you read the text as the people give, if you read verses six through nine, when they give, they give the best. Right? It doesn't say, give whatever you have left over. Go back to your tents. If you're not using anything, bring that. It says, bring your gold, your onyx, your sapphire, your fine silks. It says, bring the best. And Moses, what can Moses do? Can, can Moses force them to do this? Coerce them to do this? Does Moses go tent by tent saying, okay, what do you have today? What do you have today? What do you have today? No. Moses just speaks the word of God and allows the people to respond as God moves them. In fact, that's what we see, right? Verse 20, jump to verse 20. It says, So then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses, and they came, everyone whose heart was stirred within him, and everyone whose spirit moved him, and they brought the Lord's contribution. Again, notice it's not the church's contribution, it's the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of the meeting, for all of its service, for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sorts of golden objects, every man dedicating an offering to the Lord of gold. So notice they're bringing all these valuable things to the Lord. And then jumping down to verse 29, it says, And all the men and women and all of the people of Israel, whose hearts moved them to bring anything for the work of the Lord that he had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Do you see in verse 21, what was it supposed to be that defined the community? What was supposed to happen inside of them? It says the community was those who had their hearts stirred and had their spirits moved. In fact, I would say that that if the Spirit of God is in you, then that's what the Spirit's going to do, right? Right? because the spirit never gives begrudgingly. When the spirit is inside of us, the spirit is never unwilling. When the spirit is inside of us, the spirit never reacts negatively for the call to be generous because the spirit is a spirit of generosity that stirs in the hearts of those that are God's people or claim to be God's people. That's what he calls us to. So he calls us to be those who have hearts stirred and a spirit moved, a heart of generosity. And then do you notice, what what was the offering used for? This was an over and above offering, okay? So so understand that, that this was not their 10%. This was over and above their 10%. But do you notice at the end of verse 21 the three things it was used for? The first thing it was used for, it was used for the tent of meeting, for the building that they would do worship in. The second thing it was used for, it was to be used in its service, for its ministry. And the third thing it was used for was for the holy garments or all of the material that would be used to be able to do the worship and the ministry that God's people were called to. Does that sound familiar? Basically, that's a church budget, isn't it? Right? For the building, for its ministries, and for all of the things that are necessary to make ministry happen. So they're only called to do exactly what we are called to do, which is to supply for all of this. And then it says, it says all of God's people responded, both men and women, and those who were generous, those who were able to or have a willing, able heart. So what does that mean? Because I know there are some people who go, well, see, it just calls us to do what's in our heart. So we can only do if, if I'm willing, and I'm not really willing to do more. Well, when they said willing or able, what they were saying is, is those who are not able were, were the children or the elderly, or the widowed, or the disabled, those who didn't have anything. Those were the ones who weren't able, they weren't able and willing because they didn't have anything. But everybody else had something. And so they all contributed because their hearts were stirred. And when you have the spirit in your heart, it is always a willing spirit. So the question is, where do they get their stuff then? Right? I mean, think about where the people are. They are wandering the wilderness. Do they have jobs? No. Do they have fields where they can plant crops? No, they're in a the desert, right? That's not gonna work. Do they have buildings? Do they have homes? Do they have cities and marketplaces? None of that. So where did the people get all of these objects from? They got them from Egypt. It, when the people of God left Egypt it says after the last plague and they were sent forth wh- what happened was the people of Egypt said we want you to leave like the, you guys are decimating our land this is not good so in fact here take our stuff and go like we want you to go so badly take all of our stuff with you so this is what they're contributing is not what they own but what God owns because God supplied it for them and that's exactly what we own in fact, we own nothing because God gives us everything. Your jobs, your companies, your businesses, your work, your paychecks are all a gift of God. God has given you the skills and the abilities, giving given you the resources to do the things that you are able to do and, and they're God's. He's the owner of all things. He's the creator of the universe. And they understood God owned it and we just trust for his provision. They gave what was valuable, knowing they weren't gonna get it back. It's not like they gave their brooches and their earrings and their gold and their fine silk, and they're like, you know what, I'll just work an extra 20 hours so I can get it back. They, they don't have that opportunity right now. They gave knowing that God was going to take care of them, but they also gave because they understood to be a part of a community, to be a part of a family means you contribute to the family. So verses 30 to 36, we're not going to read through those, but you'll see in that text, verses 30 to 36, that that the skilled laborers among them start to do the work of ministry. They start putting everything together. I mean, They become, like like we could say this today, they they would become the small group leaders. They become the elders, the ushers, the the praise team leaders. They're the the skilled workers who do the work of ministry. So then you get to verse 1. This is where I want us to focus in. It says then, Bezalel and Olhiliab, and uh, those were those who were, were basically the skilled workmen. Every craftsman in whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary, they shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel, and Oholiab, and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put skill, and everyone whose heart stirred him up to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary, but the people kept bringing him free will offerings every single morning. Do you see what the people don't stop doing? What don't they stop doing? Bringing the offering they don't stop bringing the contribution that was necessary to do the work of ministry. It was almost like you could say that they went home and when they went home, they kept looking for ways to give generously. They're like, like okay, I know I brought that today, but what can we bring tomorrow? And what can we bring the next day? And, and, and maybe we have this, or could you find that? Or like, like, it wasn't like a begrudging, all right, what do we have to bring today? But it was a joyful, what can we bring? How can we supply for the ministry that God has given to us. Because they understood this, that that for us, generosity is often a difficult topic because we don't like to talk about it. Because when we think about generosity, we think of and we see the things we have to give up. But when you read the scriptures, generosity, the topic of generosity is no different than having a three-week sermon series on prayer. It's no different than having a three-week sermon series on worship or Bible study or missions or care. To God... Generosity is one of many marks of discipleship. And we are all supposed to practice all of them equally. The reason we struggle with money is because it feels like we're giving up more than when it comes to worship or prayer or Bible study or things along those lines. And yet the people of God understood it was their calling and so they kept bringing their offerings. So much so that in verse four it says, so that all of the craftsmen who were doing every sort of work, they came from their tasks to the sanctuary, each from the task that the Lord, or that he was doing. And he said to Moses, verse five, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man and no woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material that they had was sufficient to do all the work and more. Did you see what happened there? Like they were bringing so much stuff that Moses was like, that's it, enough. But they responded in so much great joy. They were like, what else can we do? Like we want to keep bringing. In fact, that is a really strong word, the word "restrain." It was like he physically had to physically hold them back. He had to basically say to them like, stop. It would be like uh, we come to church on a Sunday morning and I stand up and go, hey, uh, we're not gonna be taking an offering for the next month because our offerings this past year were so much and so strong that, that, we, that we don't need any more offerings for the next month. And you were like, no, we want to bring our offering. And so, so you start coming forward with your offering anyways and the ushers have to hold you back. They're like, no, stop, right? Like, like that's what's happening in this text. They're restraining, they're restraining them, they are like holding them back, like no more. But we want to give more. A member of our church, when I was preaching on uh, intentionally investing, sent me this quote. She said, I have this quote in the front of my Bible, and I don't know that I could say it better than what she has in this quote. It said this, The free and joyous activity of a child of God in God's family is managing all of life and all of life's resources for his purpose. Stewardship is a thank you to God. I love that quote. That's what generosity is. It's a thank you in response to all that God has given to us. In fact, what was the only thing Moses could do in this context? All he could do was ask, wasn't it? Was Moses gonna go house to house and tent to tent? No. Could he coerce them or force them or or bribe them to do this? No. The only thing Moses could do was ask. And he wasn't necessarily asking for money, although he was certainly asking for that. But what he was really asking them to do when you read through this text, is he was saying, I am asking you, Moses saying, I'm asking you to contribute to the family. I'm asking you to contribute to the community for the work of ministry. See, that's what generosity is. Generosity is ministry plus the heart of God's people to do what only we can do for the sake of the building of the kingdom of God. Because we can only do what we can do with what we have here at Grace. And all of the resources that we have, they are all for ministry. Because that's what generosity is. Generosity is towards ministry, the ministry of changing lives. In fact, think about it this way. How many of you have been affected by the ministry of Grace? How many of you have had children youth, parents, family members who've been affected by the ministry of grace, who've been married here, buried here, graduated, confirmed, baptized, educated, who played sports, who met friends, who learned about God, who saw your family grow up here at grace. But all of that takes resources it takes resources to do the ministry God has called us to do, and that's what your generosity provides for. In fact, this building, this beautiful building we have, I don't know if you know this, but, but this coming Tuesday, December 4th, will be our seventh year in this building. Seven years that we have been blessed by this beautiful facility, but we still need to pay for it. The, the land sale was a huge blessing to help in that. When we sold the land, it knocked off a third of our debt, but we still have a $4.2 million debt on this building that we need to pay for so that we can see more lives changed and more couples married, and, and, and more of our loved ones buried right here. And that's what your generosity goes towards. It goes towards the ability for us to have staff, to have teachers, a DCE, a deaconess, a worship director, pastors, it goes to supply staff, so we can honor the staff for the time and the energy and the sacrifices that they are making for the sake of the kingdom of God. It goes towards the lights, the sound system that's now working for me. It goes towards heat, and I know some of you are very thankful for the heat this morning, air conditioning in the summer. It goes towards technology because uh, these words don't just appear on the screen by itself, but we have projectors. And that's the technology we pay for. And these projectors are actually almost at the end of their warranty and the end of their, their projected lifespan. And it means we replace technology. It means that we have curriculum for our students. It's so that when you send off your children to, to Ignite or to Jam or to Thrive or Club 35 or to our Christian day school, it supplies those things that are necessary for they, so they can do the work of, of ministry so ministry can happen to change their life. And and here's the deal uh, when we send our children off to school. I know we charge a tuition, but our tuition basically only covers 47% of the cost of education. 47%, that's it. And without generosity, we can't supply the rest of that. And I also need to address this, that, that tuition is not generosity. It's not. Because generosity is, as you remember Simon Sinek saying, and if you read the scriptures, it is giving without expecting in return. Well, when you pay tuition, you expect for education in return. Tuition is not generosity. And God calls us to be generous so that all of these ministries can move forward. And the fact is, we are really good at, at, at controlling our costs. And I'm not saying that because I believe that. Uh, we get an audit done every year. Every year we have auditors who come in and look at our books and look at our accounting practices, look at how we're spending our money. And one of the, most, one of the, the boldest statements they, they made this year, the, the most pronounced statement they made this year, is they said, Grace is really good. They are excellent at controlling their expenses. It was in their documents. We are really good at being good stewards of what we have. But we're not done. We wanna grow every area of ministry. Our worship, our school, our student ministry, our, our adult ministry, our missions and our care. And when you give generously, you give through us to be able to grow these ministries for the sake of the kingdom of God. Because what generosity is, is generosity is you and me, grace, God's people in action, doing what he has called us to do to change lives. Your life, your children's life, your grandchildren's life, your parents' life, your friends' life, your neighbor's life, our lives together. But we can only do this when we're all in this together, when all of us come together and respond in generosity. I mean, think about it this way. If it is the community, if we're a family that's called to, to act in generosity, how does it feel? What does it feel like when, in your family, one member of the family doesn't contribute to the work of the family? It doesn't feel good, does it? That's tough. It's like this at Thanksgiving, our family has this practice that uh, when we go to my wife's parents' house that all five of the siblings, along with her parents, everybody prepares part of the meal. That way it's not on one person, but it's spread among all of us to help supply the food that's necessary for Thanksgiving. Well, if one or two or three or multiple children decide, well, I'm not going to do anything this year, I'm not going to do anything, I'm not going to do anything, what happens when family members don't contribute to the Thanksgiving meal? Well, one of two things happens, right? Either somebody else has to do it, So the weight of it, the burden of it is put on somebody else or it just doesn't happen. It's one or the other, right? If somebody is not going to be a part of it, somebody else picks it up or it doesn't happen. It's not supplied for. It's the same thing in the family of God when it comes to generosity. That all of us are in this together for the sake of being generous and giving our tithe, our offering to the Lord. Now I know some of you are thinking this now. Well, okay, Pastor that you're spending a lot of time on generosity this morning, does this mean that we are in crisis mode? Like I look at our giving and I look at our offering, are are we in a crisis, is this why you're hitting it so hard? We're in crisis mode. No, we are not right now. But the reason I'm addressing it now is because I don't want us to get there. I believe that we can proactively step into this. Just as Moses called the people of God to proactively step into this, we can proactively step into generosity so that we don't get to it. Because if it continues this way, well, we can only do ministry out of what we have. And if it continues, that means that there's going to be two effects if we do get to that point. Number one, it's going to affect our current reality, which means we're going to have to look at uh, all of our expenditures and we are going to feel that there is going to be an effect on all areas of ministry. It's going to affect worship, it's going to affect school, it's going to affect student ministry, it's going to affect every area of ministry at Grace because, because we can only do out of what we have. And the second reality is it's going to affect our dreams and plans for the future. Because I know there are some of you who have come to me and said, Pastor, when are we going to get, now, now that the land is sold, oh, when are we going to build? When are we gonna expand our ministry facility so that we can have more space for ministry and classrooms and a gymnasium and we can become one campus again. Well, well, where does that come from? From our generosity, doesn't it? It can only come from us. And so we need to step into generosity so that we can continue to supply what is necessary for our current ministries before we look to future ministries. Now, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this that I know that there are some of you who are giving generously. You are giving a tithe. You're giving 10% of your income and above and beyond that. You are giving sacrificially. And to you, I, I want you to know, thank you. As your pastor, thank you for supporting the ministries of grace because it's making a difference. It is changing lives. And I hope you got that from the beginning of our time together when I talked about all of our ministry areas and how God is growing them, your generosity is making an impact on the kingdom of God and is changing lives for eternity. But with most churches, and our church is no exception. Most churches live under the 80-20 rule. 80% of the generosity is given by 20% of the people. We are no exception to that. We're probably closer to, uh, I think it was 2872, something like that but but we're no exception but if we all came together we could be the exception where we all gave generously and we all stepped into this and we were all making a difference for the kingdom of god so i know some of you are going okay pastor so so let's just get to the bottom line right like what are you asking so i'm only going to do what moses did and yes i get it you don't have to tell me this after worship i am not moses Like, I get that, okay? Like, I mean, reading Moses' story, I don't want what Moses had to go through, okay? But but, but I'm only gonna do what Moses did, which is just present to you the opportunity, and it's up to us to respond. And so I would prayerfully ask you to do the following. To prayerfully grow your generosity in light of God's calling. In light of his calling to move towards that tithe, that 10% and beyond. To prayerfully consider how you can move towards that and beyond that, as God's people did the people of Israel. The second one, to joyfully respond with your end-of-the-year gift. And I'm saying that because I know some of you give an end-of-the-year gift, whether it's out of your stocks and stock options or your IRA or, or some of you give based on your bonuses that you receive at the end of the year. And thank you for doing that. I want to encourage you to keep doing that, to give out of those things as an end-of-the-year gift. Thank you for that. Joyfully continue to do that. But here's the third one, and, and, and I know this is the toughest one. And uh, this is the one I've been praying for for a couple of weeks now, as I've been praying about this message uh, this weekend that I was going to deliver. And, and I know the difficulty of this, and I'll explain that in a second. What I would ask you to do is prayerfully consider an over and above gift, not in replacement for, but over and above your current giving of $50 per person in your family, because each and every one of your family members has been affected by the ministry of grace whether it's by, by being educated here or by being in our ministries here or by worshiping here, to prayerfully consider giving a $50 per family member towards the ministry of grace. And the reason that we are talking about that is there's about 800 people who worship here on a weekend, about 1,500 people every month. And if 1,500 gave $50 over and above their normal giving, with end of the year giving, we would come into the new year in a very strong position, where we would wipe out that deficit and be ready to go for what God has for us next, because we're not done. Now I get it, that some of you are going, Pastor, do you know when you're asking this? Yes I do. I know what season it is. Do you want to know why I know what season it is? I have six children, and they do not let me forget what season it is. It is Christmas. And they've been creating Christmas lists and they're going to send their Christmas lists to Santa Claus, and, right? And they, they know it's Christmas time. I get what I'm asking. I know when I'm asking it. But here's the deal my family and I, we put our offering in the offering plate for this last night because I would never ask you to do what I would not do myself. And so our family of eight put our offering of 8 times 50, and I'm not doing it to, to say, look at me. I'm doing it because I'm saying we are in this together. It's the family of God that does this together. And so I would just prayerfully ask you to consider doing that above and beyond so that we can move all of our ministries forward. Because when it comes to this, and Moses knew this, there was only one solution, right? When Moses made this call, there was only one solution. And what was that one solution? It wasn't Moses. And it wasn't the leaders, it was Israel. It was the people of God responding. And right now there's only one solution. It's not me, which is is why I sleep at night and I don't feel this burden because this is not not on me, this is on us together. As the family of God, as the people of God, to step up and respond so that instead of our ministries being affected and feeling the crunch and, and having to hold back, we can see these ministries move forward and grow and move into the future that God would have for us. Because where we go from here, it's up to you. It's up to us together. We get to determine where we go from this point forward. And that's why I'm excited. Because, because the question you have to ask yourself is first is what's the excuse that would hold you back? What is the reasoning that would flow through your head and maybe it's already flowing through your head right now of going, going, yeah, I'm not going to do that and here's why. So, so what is that excuse that you need God to stir in your heart and, and build up your spirit so that you can say, you know what, I'm going to be like those who are part of the people of Israel and I'm going to step up and I'm going to step into this to be a part of those that give up because I know that it's about ministry that God is doing to change lives. And here's what I truly believe, that whenever the family of God sees the need, the family rallies together, because that's what families do. Those who call themselves family, step up to be a part of the family and say, yes, we will be a part of the family and we will be a part of the solution and we will help this move forward. Grace is, or generosity is grace in action. And I truly believe that we will be a church that will act in generosity as we look at what God will do for the sake of the building of the kingdom of God, because that's what the family does. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know there is a need right now, and we know you will supply. And the way you do that is through the community, through the family of God. So Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts and our lives right now to be the people of God who step up and step in to this act of generosity. To say, yes, this is my family, my church, my community, and because of that, I will be a part of the solution. So Lord, stir in our hearts and our lives. Break down any excuses that we would have Grow us in our acts of generosity so that as the people of God, we may do the work that you have called us to do, understanding that that when we give generously, we're not giving to a church, we're giving through a church for the sake of changing lives, our lives, our children's lives, our families' lives, the changing lives for eternity. So God, we pray your blessing to rest upon us as we move into this future together. All of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give to you his everlasting peace. Amen.